Amen. Woo! Come on, come Bernard, on, how are you feeling? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling good still. What about you? Also, I'm feeling good. Yeah. 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 Bernard is honestly one of my favorite people in the world. So, you too, bro. You so, oh, thank you. You have to say it now. <laughs> <laughs> so, honestly, such a um, pleasure to do a duet preach with him. So, how many, um, how many duets have we had so far? Two. Two so far. Okay, and what's the names? What's the first week? You guys gave me their names. Uh, I meant the name of the sermon, sorry. <laughs> and friendship and serving. Okay, and today we're going to talk about, in our community series, about giving. Woo! Yeah! yeah. They're the ones where people are feeling a bit nervous and that. And it's a techie topic, but... Like, do you know yeah. what it reminded me of? Like, um, you know the movie scenes where you see that, um, that plant, what is it called? Tumbleweed. It's yeah, a tumbleweed, yeah. just like, kind of, like when we said giving, that's what it was, kind of, you know, just that tumbleweed. But if I'm being honest, um, when I um, heard I was going to... When I really um, had a lot of confirmation that I'm going to start leading a church, um, I literally remember saying, oh, no. And I said, oh, no, because I was like, I have to talk about spiritual warfare and money. And I remember that, fre that freaking me out so much, and especially just because money, because I know money can sometimes be a delicate subject, but I feel like it is important, especially for community, to talk about it. Awesome? Yeah. So everyone say, Yay! Yeah. Money! Wow, wow. <laughs> okay, awesome. That's it, okay. that's it. Bernard. All right, cool. So uh, I'm going to do a quick icebreaker. Yeah. So you guys ready, yeah? All right, cool. I'm going to give you one minute to discuss this question, and you're going to feedback afterwards. Why don't you like to give money? Sometimes. Ooh, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So sometimes. Why, why do you find it difficult yeah. to give money um, sometimes? And Valent and I, we're going to share our own experiences as well. So, Wally, why, what's, what's your reason for... Okay, yeah. so um, when Burns and I were talking about it, so one of the reasons why I found it hard to give money is because I thought I never had enough. So, like, for example, um, I've, as I've mentioned several times, I was living in Leicester, and in Leicester, I had a really nice apartment, but it also came with a really interesting price tag. So when it came to offering or when it came to me just being generous, um, sometimes there was, if I'm being honest, there was a temptation. I was like, um, God, this month, perhaps you might just have to just allow it because I've, I've got some unexpected bills and stuff like that. And honestly, that was something for me where I was like, will I have enough if I, if I give, if I'm generous? Yeah. Vance, what um, about you? I think for me uh, personally, I'll say money being my security um, in the sense that if I give, okay, let's use an example. If I give someone 50 pounds, for example, and I know that my EE bill is coming through. <laughs> <laughs> for me, it's like, but, but why did you give that 50 pounds? You could have paid, do you know what I mean? Like, now I've got to hustle to get the 50, like, that's long. <laughs> so I think for me, I think I've seen it as my security, hence why I think I used to be in that bubble of like, no, I'm not giving away my money. So yeah. Yeah. And we have a few more other reasons. You want to read them out? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like what people were saying, essentially, um, what about if you're saving for something? So this example that people use, so to go to like, maybe to Starbucks, for example, shout to Starbucks, come on. Um, <laughs> and you'll be like, oh, you're gonna get a coffee and a bit, oh no, I'm saving for a mortgage. Things like that, I don't know why people, uh, I know, I know, but yeah. yeah. Up, yeah. 
Um, to sustain um, sort of like an appearance to impress others. I think in this generation, that's a very heavy one. Um, money being your security, um, not trusting um, who you're giving the money to, you can't afford it. An opportunity cost in economics, if you can explain. Yes, <laughs> yes. So um, essentially, if I give an analogy, if I spend 10 pounds on, what can I spend 10 pounds on? McDonald's, not that word. <laughs> No shade. <laughs> but let's say if I spent £10 on McDonald's, it means I can't spend that £10 on KFC. So basically, it's an opportunity cost, yeah. Um, um, and I won't get nothing back. So yeah. Mm. Wow. So yeah, so I quickly want to talk about the culture of giving. Why is it important as um, believers, as people who call ourselves Christians to give? And I think uh, my first reference is John chapter 3, verse 16 where it actually says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. So we get that first principle straight from Jesus himself, straight from God the Father, that he gave his son. And this word gave, if we look in the Greek context, it actually, um, it means didome. And didome essentially means to offer something to someone without compulsion and to offer it with someone's own accord. And if we look at scripture where it talks about how God um, gave his son, he gave his son out of radical love for us. And especially when it comes to giving, we give not as a sense of compulsion, but we give out of a sense of radical love for our community and for our body. Yeah. And um, I believe there's two types. There's two types of giving that we really want to touch on today. So first of all, um, giving to the tabernacle, giving to in our context, to the church, and it'll be given to other people. So Ben's going to touch on that. Yeah, cool. Um, so if you can turn to Exodus 36, and essentially this is an example of um, corporate giving in the Bible. Anyone want to read for me from verse 1 to 5, no, 1 to 7? So Bezalel, oh, <laughs> wow, Ochotiab. <laughs> And every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are able to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Oholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and he was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all of the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent his word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Amen. Um, and I think this um, passage of scripture really links well to what we heard last week about serving. Um, so in verse one, we see how um, God had, I'm going to call them B&O because I'm not going to pronounce their names, but um, B-O. <laughs> um, no one catch, I'll say no more. Um, so B&O um, and other school craftsmen were basically blessed by God to do this work in the sanctuary. And every single person here within Imprint has a certain gift and certain skill that they can bring um, to the church. Um, and essentially, the people of Israel were essentially given 
um, donating material so that they, they could build this tabernacle. And I guess if you put this into the context of the church today, there's different projects, different events that you put on so people can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and I think what's even more powerful about this is even like in their giving, they gave to the point where they said, yo, you man, let's, let's relax with the, with the money that's coming through. Do you know what I mean? And that is amazing. Like, it was almost like a challenge. How can we be a church that gives to the point, and this is not just financially, but with our talents, with our skills, because I think it's something that's so important. For example, um, let's use something practical. Like, if you're um, feeling upset or you're feeling down, being by yourself wouldn't help the situation, but actually we can give our time, we can give our love to help those other people. Do you know what I mean? So, for example, if someone um, is feeling hungry or whatnot, like my, my guy, Ajawa, come on. Um, yesterday, Roman Purpose bought me some, some breakfast. The only one's there. God bless you, bro. Um, but, like, examples like that. It's not them ones where, you know, we were discussing earlier on, like, oh, bro, I'm kind of hungry. Be full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Brother, uh, man's hungry, you know. Like, so, yeah, practical examples like that. Um, yeah. So, um, essentially, the reason why I was talking about the tabernacle is that Jesus is essentially the perfect tabernacle. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was a shadow of what Jesus is today. Mm, and Jesus is the temple and we are his body. So, and we are the church, so we are under Christ. Mm. So essentially this principle, this concept of building the church and expanding God's ki kingdom still applies to today. Mm. Um, and our role as a church is to reach those who are lost and expand the kingdom of God via the gospel through discipleship and teaching. Across the globe, we have many church communities running various events and projects, conferences, and small groups that sustain that purpose. Mm. And I guess in the context of um, like Imprint Church, we have things like Crew Social, Imprint Music Events, our social media. And think, like, this church is so generous and so, like, so giving, so it's really easy to do these things. But it's like some people are sitting here today and they've heard through social media that Imprint's a church. Or they've come to a Crew Social and they've heard, oh, wow, this is the gospel. Do you know what I mean? So it's like these things are, there's a purpose to what we're giving. Um, and I guess more like a practical example. Um, so we're in our fourth month now. Yeah, our fourth yeah. month. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Woo! Yeah. We can do better than that, guys. Come on. Come on. Woo! Yeah. And I remember, like when we were when we started, we were hiring most of this equipment that we see here. But now we we've actually bought everything that we use yeah. here. Like everything you see here is ours. Ours, ours yo. Yeah, and that's that's crazy. And um, yeah, I'm just gonna read out something quickly. So essentially, has anyone looked at the imprint website? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no worries. Um, so basically, um, I'm gonna read out the vision of imprint because I think without a vision of what we're given for, there's no point really giving, if that makes sense. So um, yeah, as imprint, we want to see a generation from all types of backgrounds, not defined by their past, insecurity, inse insecurities, Failures, sin, shame, guilt, approval from others, defaults and shortcomings, but a generation completely defined by what God says about them. As a result, they live in a quiet, humble boldness to be all that God has called them to be. They are the dreamers and the risk takers, the servants and the leaders, the counselors and the preachers, the healers and the deliverers. They are the sons and daughters of God. And because of their constant pursuit to communion with Jesus and be like him, their very nature shifts the culture. They are imprint. So this is the vision that we're sowing into. So yeah. Amen, amen. 
And um, something that burns, basically, when he spoke about um, the tabernacle and what I love so much about um, example in Exodus is that it talks about how um, when it came to the rebuilding of the tabernacle that they literally said, okay, we need some volunteers to practically build this tabernacle. And we also need another group of people that will financially pay for the resources of this tabernacle. And as Burns touched on it, this is where serving and giving both come into play. In order to build God's local church, it takes two sides. Um, it's literally two sides of a coin where serving is one side and giving is the other side. And quite practically, for example, we have um, a really great group of um, volunteers, but quite practically, an area where we actually need more people is in hospitality. And we feel like hospitality and welcome is so important because when you actually come into church for the first time or when you come into an event for the first time, I think it's an actual opportunity for people to see the heart of Jesus. So if you are a person who you feel like, okay, perhaps this is one way I can serve, then as well um, at the back where it says it's a London thing, someone can also get you connected. But yeah, I would honestly love your support in that. Also, amazing. Okay, and something else that the um, Israelites as well, so they would, in terms of, um, for ministry purposes, like we've spoken about, that was the first way. And the second point was um, they'll basically use the money for personal welfare, for their own family as well. And the last way is that they would use their money to provide for the poor. And that's what I kind of want to touch on as well. What does it look like in terms of being generous towards other people? So let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts uh, chapter 22, from so, verse 42 to 47. Yeah, so Acts 2. Chapter 2, yeah. So Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. Okay, everyone there? Awesome. So the fellowship of the believers. So this is talking about the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe of many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily. So the Bible basically talks about, so let me um, read um, 44 again. It says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had a need. And I really feel like this is a clear picture of what healthy community looks like. So um, quite practically, um, the early Christians, this is what they did, is that anyone who had lack, anyone who was in need, they will sell off their possessions. Some of them will sell off their houses. If it was in our context, perhaps it will also be our cars. And I remember um, a particular um, example that I heard was another family who was quite affluent, who was doing well, who finally, they paid off all of their mortgage. They heard of a financial situation that another family was going through. And they said, because you are literally in our community, because you are my brother and sister, we, my family, were going to remortgage our house again in order to see you provided for. And the reality is, is that when we call ourselves Christians, Christians is also being a model of sacrifice. And that's what it looks like in terms where we literally cover the backs of our brothers and sisters. So, it's for example, I can go to Bernard, yeah, my guy, <laughs> and I could be like, bro, I'm broke this week, can you help me out? 
And I know Bernard, lovely guy. <laughs> come on, man, come on, come on. But honestly, community will be like, yes, um, I would help you out as well. And um, there's this saying where it talks about faith without works is dead. And many people like to use that context incorrectly, if I can say so. Because the context that people use it is, is that if I don't do my part, God will not do his part. And even though perhaps that is a principle, this is not actually the context that the Bible talks about. So let's go to James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. So James 2, verse 14 to 26. Sorry it's not on the screen. We'll have it um, up and ready next week. So I'm going to read from the New King James Version. And it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them um, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus, also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it is dead. So essentially, what the scripture is saying, so I want to give you an example. So let's say um, someone in my community, someone in this church, okay, let me use the example of Burns and I. Okay, so I'm going to be the rich guy. God bless you. <laughs> so let's say if I was quite... Um, affluent or perhaps if I was in a position where Bernard where I could actually help Bernard and Bernard um, said oh well I, um, this week or this month um, I could really need some help in terms of my finances and I literally did this to Bernard I was like oh bro I can really relate okay let me pray for you yeah God um, I pray that Bernard um, that you will have that you just sort out his finances. There will just be breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And also, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll fill him up. You will fill him up in the name of Jesus. And I, then I left. The Bible says that my faith is dead because there was no action. There was no works towards it. I was in a position where I could have helped out my brother, but all I did was just say, okay, I'll pray and bless you. And the Bible says that sort of faith is dead. If I was to read from another translation, it says this. It is obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. Hmm. Mm, you got, you <laughs> lot felt that? You lot felt it? <laughs> it's a Waleg Badger version, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. It's the Passion Translation. Yeah, the Passion Translation. And um, I want to share a quick... Um, testimony that I heard. So I can share this because it was actually um, shared publicly, but basically um, a young lady who was a student there, she said she actually had some issues in terms of paying off her accommodation. And I think the value was around 2,000 pounds. And as a result, she said this to her friends and she said this to her community. And what they did, um, and they didn't have to, but what they did is that among themselves, they raised the money to pay off her accommodation. And these were a group of students who said that I take your lack personal. That if you're in lack, I will honestly take my own personal ambitions, my own, personals, um, my own personal possessions to submit it so you can be sustained for, that you can be provided for. And that's what it looks like. And even that, just to add on to that, it's, it's kind of interesting that if you put into perspective, um, for example, some trainers may come out and they're like £100, but 
if that person gets extra hundred pounds for the accommodation, then they can obviously stay in the accommodation. And it's like put that into perspective. Do you really need those trainers? So I mean, like, there's there's certain things that we can sacrifice, and that's not even a sacrifice. This is common sense, you know. Like, <laughs> like when we see a need as believers, Christ literally every single need he saw, he he gave, he gave, he gave, and that's what we're meant to do as believers. Like, like let's let's think about our brothers and sisters. Like, we get a lot of money compared to like other places. Like, legit. Like, I was in Ghana, for example, and I'm paying 50p for breakfast. You get me? We've got money. And not even just money, we have love, we have time, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So let's use that and actually bless others. Yeah. And to just summarize that, in First John chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, um, I'll read it quickly. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can you say the love of God is, can be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And if I am being honest, and it's something that I also had to reflect um, on as well. And if I'm being honest, perhaps for some of us, um, the only effect that the only person that sees the effect of our monthly or even our weekly salaries is ourselves. It's me, myself, and I. Perhaps your families do not feel that effect. Perhaps. Your friends do not see that effect. Perhaps your community does not see that effect. And I just want to encourage you that as a believer, as a Christian, we have to live our lives different from how the world says so. The world says so, I worked hard for this money, so I'm going to keep it for myself. But this is not biblical. This is not how we ought to live. We ought to live in radical love, and radical love looks like something. And it looks like generosity. That's good, yeah. Yeah. And I also just like to touch on that if you perhaps um, are in a place where you feel like, yep, um, I'm just broke, I actually don't have money. The value about community is that you can ask a brother and sister and be like, can you help me out? We are meant to look after you guys. We're meant to cover each other's backs. I'm so thankful that there's been times when my brothers and sisters in this community have helped me out. There's been times where literally I've helped out a brother and sister. I remember um, a few years ago um, when the Lord um, showed me, he actually, I actually had a dream one night and I was a student at the time and I had a dream of this particular guy that I knew of literally um, knocking on his door and I had um, a whole bag of Tesco, like massive bags of Tesco shopping. And I woke up from the dream and I was like, oh, okay, that was a cute dream. Um, and the following day, no exaggeration, I was, I was washing the dishes because I'm a good Nigerian boy. I was washing the dishes and um, I just heard the Lord say, <laughs> I just heard the Lord um, say to me, um, he said, I wasn't joking about your dream. I was Serious. Like, You're joking. I was like, but God, you too, you know I'm a student. Like, why, why are you telling me to buy someone else their grocery shop? And the Lord was like, will you do it? And I said, okay, cool. So I remember I, I went to Tesco. I tried to find one small bag, but the Lord convicted me. <laughs> but I went to Tesco and I just started um, 
just fill in um, the bag with um, so many different grocery items. And then after I finished, I paid for it. And I had to go to the person's accommodation. I knew where they lived. And honestly, just like the dream showed, I knocked on the person's door. And I was like, bro, for some reason, I feel like um, I'm supposed to give this to you. And the guy, honestly, he almost bursted in tears. And he was like, I haven't eaten in three days. And I was praying to God that please send me food. And when he said that, it, re- it got me really emotional because I was like, I was so close to being disobedient to that, to that dream. I didn't know there was literally someone who perhaps I even call my friend was, was in that particular position. And because of that, he basically was like, I can see that now God really does care about me and that he honestly wants to provide for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just even to add to, to that, um, like you always see the difference between those who are generous and those who are stingy. So like when you're, when you're generous, what, what characteristics do you see in generous people? Just shout them out. Jay, yeah. Caring, yeah. Selfless, okay. What about stingy people? Let's, let's relax with the, yeah. yeah. Selfish, mm. reluctant, yeah. Tight, mm? Lonely, okay. That's a bit, that's a bit. Ooh. Uh, so um, this morning I was reading Proverbs 11, and in verse 25 it says, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And one thing I've learned about giving is that it actually builds a culture of this joy and this unity. So, for example, if uh, my friend needs maybe like, what, Instacart these days need about £10 probably to get around. It's kind of tight. Um, but if my brother needs £10 to get around London, cool, and I give it to him. I'm, that common sense literally says, oh, so it's another day and then I need the money. It's true, you know, he gave me money, you know. You know what, brother? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? The stingy person. Um, bro, I need to get I need some £10. Um, yeah. Come on, man, get your peas up. Okay, now it's back to the person. Um, you know that. Move, man. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, it, it creates like a culture of just like, sort of, bat- you're almost battling with each other and you become selfish. But when you are generous, it, like it says, you refresh others and others will refresh you. So let's, let's, let's actually think about our decisions that we make because it can affect you later on in life. And I think it's important that we actually build a culture of giving so that all of us can enjoy life together. Yeah? Amazing. And uh, we quickly just want to talk about um, the heart posture of giving. Mm. So if we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8, um, sorry, verse 6 to 15, hopefully you'll appear on the screens. Okay, let me move out the way. (laughs) So it says, um, remember this, a father who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a generous, um, God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So um, what Paul is essentially saying here, so I want to give a quick example. So what Paul is saying is that imagine two um, farmers 
And let's say both of these farmers had a whole storehouse of seeds. Like they, they were, yeah, they literally had a whole storehouse of seeds. And essentially the first farmer takes the seeds and basically when it, when it comes to the soil, he's so sparingly over the, um, over the soil. And compared to the second farmer who had the same amount of seeds, he sees um, his storehouse and he takes a lot of the seeds and he basically throws a lot of them um, into the soil. And he was generous in terms of how much seed um, he actually planted. And um, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but who basically got the greatest harvest? Do you want to say it to me? The second person, the second farmer received the greatest harvest. And this is what the Lord is saying. This is what Paul is saying, especially in the scripture, that it's like that when it comes to our generosity. Yeah. And even in verse 7, it says you must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves the first and he gives cheerfully. And I think um, in this context, um, it can be seen as like, okay, the church is literally like, they will not let me go if I do not give them money. But actually another, if you flip it, it can actually be I'm giving this money so I can get the praise of others around me. You get me? And it's, it's very important that we don't have that attitude. Mm, so good. And quite practically, um, what I know some people is that some people actually um, pray beforehand and they're like, okay, God, um, perhaps could you direct me in terms of how much I should um, give to my community or how much I should give to a particular individual? And I feel like that's just a great principle because in terms, it also, also gives you peace with yourself, yeah. but it also gives you peace with God as well. And, um, yeah, so... Can we also just read from, yeah, from nine? Um, so as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he'll provide an increase of resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, we will, they will thank God. So two good things result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And what I love so much about this particular scripture is because the harvest that Paul is actually um, emphasizing <coughs> this particular part of the scripture is not a harvest that essentially says that, okay, if I give 5% to God or to someone, then I am going to get 50 pounds back. Wow, that was a great transaction. Let's do this again. Like, he's, he's essentially not talking about this. But what he says, uh, when he says that um, the Lord, um, for God is the one who provides the seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. So Paul is saying this, that God is the person who gave us even the ability to even sustain wealth or even the intellect, even the strength for us to carry out perhaps like even um, our work activities. And even in Deuteronomy, um, the Lord was basically just saying to the Israelites that I have blessed you, but you have forgotten me. You've forgotten the person who gave you the ability to even have wealth. I've given you abundance, but your heart has shifted far from me. This is what the Lord was saying. But, the, but God is saying that, if someone partners with me in terms of generosity, they will not lack. But they will honestly be in a position where I myself, I will provide for their needs and I will increase their resources. 
And the reason why God increases their resources is not just so we can be Christian hoarders where we're like, okay, more, 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 more for me, more for me, yes. Um, I gave you five pounds and you gave me 50, 45 pounds back to me. Great deal. Like this is not what um, the emphasis is, but Paul says that it will produce a great harvest of, of generosity. So that means that when I partner with God in terms of my generosity, the Lord increases my resources and I'm put back into a place where I can even afford to be more generous with my resources, with my finances. Amen? And one commentator basically says it like this. In God's economy, when um, an affluence, yeah, in God's economy, blessing and affluence isn't an invitation to live large but it's an invitation to give large, which is really interesting. And I remember when I actually um, first saw this quote, um, Burns and I, as we're preparing for this, um, I saw this quote, and it reminded me of Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. That says, um, don't stop your treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy and fees do not break in and still. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Yeah. And after I'm reading the scripture, um, I asked Burns a question. And I said, if we're being honest with ourselves, how much of our finances are dedicated towards storing up treasures on earth? And we both just started laughing. <laughs> and then I asked a second question. I was like, okay, how much time do we actually spend um, grinding and hustling to pay for things that inevitably would just store up treasures on earth? And I think that the Bible clearly says is that these things will fade away, that these things will decay. We can't take them up to heaven with us. But meanwhile, it's really easy for us to get into this rat race of life where we're trying to build ourselves a life that honestly, it will not matter. Can we just ask God, okay, are my priorities in line with your priorities? All the way down to my giving, all the way down to my time, are my priorities, do they match your priorities? Yeah. But I feel like one way that we can actually say that, God, I want to partner with your vision. I actually um, want to store up treasures in heaven. It's like what we've been speaking about. It's about being generous. It's where we say, okay, I'm going to be intentional in terms of covering the back of my brothers and sisters, where I'm going to finance your initiatives, your projects that you've put on my heart and you've also put on other people's heart. And also, I'm also going to, um, in addition to this, I am going to help to cover the needs of the poor as well, as the Bible clearly um, says it's very significant. And Burns, um, there's something that Burns does that I think is amazing, so I asked him if he could share about it. Yes. Um, so who are you styling bank here? Monzo gang, Monzo. Woo! I've told him to leave Starling in 2019, but he doesn't want to listen to me. Okay. Um, <laughs> So essentially, I think Monza has the same thing, but like, you know, you have like these like little pots and these little goals. Yeah, yeah. So I think with um, being generous, I think it's important to set yourself up to be generous. Um, some people budget here. Who budgets? Shout out to the gang. Um, and I think even in that budget, I think it's important to put aside some money to be generous with, you know, not just money to give to the church, but money to be generous to others. 
So for example, um, I do graphic design and other creative stuff, and it's like, okay, relax. But, and fashion. No. <laughs> anyway, um, so with money that comes from that, I take a certain allocation from that and put it into the pot. So literally, whenever someone's like, hey, could you help me with this? Oh, yes, I can. <laughs> there is some money there, do you know what I mean? And I think not only just that with the pot, like let's be spontaneous with our giving as well, but mm. giving proportion to your income, you know? Like let's do some wisdom and that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah. Amazing. Your example as well. Yeah, yeah so um, my example, has anyone heard of compassion? Woo! Everyone heard of compassion? So, um, so I started giving um, 25 um, pounds a month towards um, the schooling and the resources of a kid in Tanzania called Nazwi. And honestly, he's amazing. He's four years old and he writes me letters, but I know it's his mom that writes it for him. <laughs> there's no way, unless he's a prodigy, there's, there's no way he's writing those letters to me. Um, but yeah, we, we write each other's letters. And I've been um, sponsoring him for quite a few years now. And I remember I started sponsoring him because I went to a, I went to a conference and I was basically talking about the work on compassion. And it showed some of the work they did in terms of actually helping to resource the lives of some of these people who are perhaps are, are in deep forms of poverty. And, and when I saw this video, I was so deeply moved because especially when I heard about the amount, 25 pounds, I literally said, I spend more on coffee. And when, the <laughs> any, any coffee drinkers? You don't wanna put your hands up, it's okay. The Lord knows who you are. <laughs> So I was like, I spend more on coffee. And um, honestly, uh, my heart was so moved and I actually just started repenting because what I realized is that my priorities weren't in line with God's. And um, of course, I picked up that thing and I said, okay, I want to sponsor um, this kid and I've been doing it for a few years now. And honestly, it is an opportunity for me to partner with God's perspective over this child and to alter that person's um, eternity, where he can honestly grow up to know the love and the provision of God the Father, because a believer said, I want to partner with God, what God has for you. And that's the thing when it comes to, you know, initiatives like Compassion, where we're honestly saying that we will provide, we will honestly take this thing personal, even though it might not seem a lot in our economy, 25 pounds can honestly change someone's life. Yeah. Um, and even just to add to that, like in that situation, so um, Jesus speaks about um, the golden rule um, to love the Lord, um, your God with. Why are you guys standing there? Oh, oh man. Where's the energy? Love the Lord your God with. Amen. Yeah, lovely, lovely. Don't worry, we'd be doing Bible studies. <laughs> <laughs> and also love your neighbor. Lovely. Um, and with that example, like, think about that kid. That could have been you, for example, yeah? And I think being able to actually put people in a place of, like, empowerment is really important. And that's what the gospel does. You know, like, Jesus, like God the Father literally sent down Jesus so that we could have eternal life, that we can be set free from our sins. And just like this example, I guess, mirroring it, mir mirroring it, shadowing it to some, some degree, we can actually give, and we're not even giving that much to actually give a kid education, give a kid food, and there's so much power in that. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And um, there's one last thing I wanted to say, but it slipped my mind, so pray for me. 
I can't hear your prayers. <laughs> um, what is it that I wanted to say, Bernard? Let's um, test out your word of knowledge. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> Look at God. Wow. <laughs> so, wait, don't make me forget. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. So um, yesterday, yesterday, last week, Justin and Bamade um, spoke about um, serving, and they spoke about Joseph in particular. And um, some of us, we know the story of Joseph where... Um, Joseph was mistreated by his brothers, and as a result, um, he basically, he was in some unfortunate circumstances. But because he was faithful about all those circumstances, the Lord exalted him. And where he was actually in a position where he was the governor of Egypt, and where he was in a position where he could provide um, for his family, who actually rejected him. And the Bible says this, that Joseph said to his brothers and sisters, so imagine um, Joseph was facing his brothers who had rejected him, who had mistreated him, and he was in a place of affluence. He was in a place of influence as well, where he was able to literally um, get all of his brothers. Um, like, this would have been a time of payback. Like, this is what you did to me. Aha, uh -huh, don't worry. I remember, I think, God forgive me, but I think it was Prophet Cardi B. <laughs> I but I think I think there's one. <laughs> it's not scripture. It's not scripture. There was one lyric where she basically said, um, <laughs> which basically, I think she basically said, um, "I'll rise up to the top so I can spit on you." I think it was something like that. God forbid. But essentially, <laughs> essentially, that wasn't the heart posture of Joseph, um, where Joseph didn't rise up to the top so he can finally get his brothers back. But Joseph said this, that I was set before you in order to redeem you. I was exalted in order to redeem you, to provide for you. And I feel like wherever God takes us, if it's um, a place of great affluence and stuff, or even leadership, you know, the Bible talks about the first will be last. The greatest leaders are the greatest servants. And I really feel like in terms of when it comes to even money, that we continue to have that posture. Because I think it's really easy, especially when... Um, we are blessed with more income, when, when, when we are blessed with more resources, for there to be a heart shift. For where we're able to trust God, and then all of a sudden we're like, okay, don't worry, I'm more dependent on myself. And we forget even the brothers and sisters. What was so amazing is that Joseph was in a position where he said, don't worry, I'll bring my family back in. And I really feel like even tonight, that, there's, that the Lord is going to anoint some people to be Joseph's in their generation. Where he says, I'm going to bless you, not necessarily to just hold it to yourself, but where I'm going to trust you as a vessel, where I'm going to trust you as a vessel to redeem the people around you, to redeem this community, to redeem this nation. Amen? Amen. So I'd like us to stand up. Do you want to say anything else? Yeah. Um, so I guess really, um, this invitation really to, to Jesus, um, I guess from my sort of relationship with God, how I, I gave my life to Christ three, mm, four years ago. In February um, 2016, that's correct. Yeah, well, yeah, nearly four years. Um, but I think what I realized is that, I think in that moment in time, I was running for um, um, ACS vice president. <laughs> and that title in Leicester, heavy, heavy. If you get that title, hmm, you're to the top. And I didn't win it. <laughs> and I was in a moment of like actual depression, like, and it's kind of mad because it's like, and a lot of us actually can relate to this because we chase these things that society gives to us that look, we're at the top, we're at the top, we're at the top. 
chase his bag, get the bag, whatever the phrase they use these days. I'm not that old, but you know the ones there. Um, but like, I think in that moment, I realized that, look, I am spiritually broke. There's nothing, I could be a millionaire tomorrow or whatnot, but I'm still spiritually broke if I do not have Jesus. And Jesus is actually the greatest ever treasure that God has given to us. Um, in John 3, 16, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. 